Hello and welcome to another episode of SideQuest. I'm your host, Brendan. This week, I talked to Gabe Gerwin. Gabe Gerwin is a video game journalist with over 10 years covering the gaming industry. The focus of our conversation is how playing games early for review is a lot like sharing video game tips and secrets on the playground as a kid. We specifically focus on Sekiro and the Dark Souls series, which are some of the best examples of that sort of community-based discovery in gaming today. Before we get to the interview, I just want to say thanks to our supporters. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be able to make all these shows on the PNB network. If you're not a supporter, head over to patreon.com pnb. All Patreon subscribers get full access to the premium SideQuest interviews. This week's full episode includes some lengthy discussion on our favorite surprises in Sekiro, as well as our thoughts on the contentious topic of an easy mode in From Software's games. It was a super fun conversation, so definitely subscribe to hear it in full, and all of the full premium episodes now and in the future. All right, without further ado, here's SideQuest All Around the Water Cooler with Gabe Gerwin. Gabe Gerwin, welcome to Grind Forever SideQuest. How you doing, man? Good, good. It's been a pretty long day, but it was uh, 7-11 today, so I got a free Slurpee, so I'm doing well. Oh, I knew I was forgetting to do something. Not to totally date us, but yeah, that's that was today. Darn. What, uh, what flavor did you get? I got blue raspberry. I'm, I'm sad that they got rid of the Mr. Mime juice after uh, <laughs> Pikachu left theaters, but it's a close second. So... Did you see the most recent episode of, or the most season, recent season of Stranger Things? No, I, I've never really, like, like that, that's never really been my thing, but I, everyone around me keeps talking about it. Gotcha. Well, there's a really, there's a really good character this season who's pretty obsessed with 7-Eleven Slurpees. That's why I oh, I just saw a picture of it, actually. Yeah, okay, okay, one. there you go. Yeah. Well, Gabe, for the people, for the listeners who may not be familiar with your work and where you can find you on the internet. Uh, give us a little bit of a bio. Who even am Gabe Gerwin? Yeah, so um, I've been a game journalist, critic, writer, whatever you want to call it, for uh, almost nine years at this point. So I started off doing uh, written video reviews and guides and stuff at uh, Classic Game Room, um, which is now sort of uh, a shell of what it once was. It's really small. But uh, from there, I... Uh, did some work for some local uh, places in college, and then eventually branched into freelance writing. Um, the main place that I've written for for the last uh, four plus years is digitaltrends.com. I've also written for IGN, uh, for Lifehacker, for Upload VR, for VR Fitness Insider, uh, for Invent Global, and uh, yeah, so that's that's sort of been my story. I've been doing this full time now for uh, about three years, and and before then it was just sort of. Uh, a fun thing to do instead of flipping burgers while I was in high school and college. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. I'm. I I have a similar like trajectory in the kind of gaming and tech freelance or reviewer critic space. And the the whole reason I I started doing it in college was for the exact same reason. So I totally feel you there. Now, okay, going back real quick, you said classic game room. Mm-hmm. Is that um that's that, that they don't have like a YouTube series, do they? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's you're probably familiar with Mark. He's the he was sort of the main guy. He's the only yeah. one. Uh, he he's I think his father um, handed off the company to him a couple years ago. But I was on a channel called CGR Undertow that um, was 
sort of like a spinoff that some other people were doing. Um, and so I did video stuff there from uh, like near the beginning of my junior year of high school until um, right before I left for college. So yeah, I, I did probably a couple hundred video reviews and then um, wow. some like walkthroughs of games and stuff. It was, uh, yeah, it was fun. I, uh, that jumped out at me because that, that channel specifically, there's a, there's this really like niche um, kind of like traditional first person dungeon crawler that was reviewed on that channel. It's called, um, oh gosh, uh, the Dark Spire. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one with uh, like really, really minimalist graphics. Yes. It's on DS. Yes. It's on DS. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, that, um, not only did that channel introduce me to the game, but that's actually just how I got introduced to the channel in general. And that was when I watched for probably about a year or two there back in college. So I bet you I've seen some of your, some of your work and I didn't even realize it was you. And we've, uh, you, you mentioned you worked at, or you still work at, uh, DT and I kind of still do too, but I was full-time there for a few years. So we've known each other for what, four years now. And I didn't Mm -hmm. even know that. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, so given our, the nature of us, you know, writing about games, talking about games, working with lots of people who are just immersed in games and tech and whatever. Um, we obviously are talking about games a lot. And when you and I were going back and forth about what we wanted to talk about today for this episode, um, you came to me and you were like, Hey, let's talk about water cooler moments. And, uh, in the soul series, the souls born series. So dark souls, demon souls, uh, bloodborne, and I guess kind of Sekiro now. So can you kind of explain what you mean by water cooler moments? Yeah, yeah. So for me, like the best part about playing those games, um, whether it be Bloodborne or Dark Souls, especially I think actually in Sekiro, because the experience is is a uh, it's more similar for every player than than it was in the other ones, is once you beat a boss or, or a particularly hard moment, doesn't even have to be a boss, and just talking to all your other friends who are playing it and ask, you know, how did you? get through that that section of the game did you do something differently than me um and and those sorts of conversations and figuring out uh what areas you know someone's struggling in versus what areas they they did something really easily or maybe you struggled is sort of my favorite part of playing through those games yeah definitely i mean sekiro you're right sekiro is such a good example of it you know i i i'm unashamed to say that i cheesed many of those bosses Mm -hmm. to get through but the thing is is that's you know just like the stuff we'll talk about today, I feel like cheese is totally just part of that series. So, but so you, is souls kind of for you, the, the best example of what, you know, the water cooler moment, or, or I guess we could even call it the playground discussion uh, experience with, with a game. I don't know. You know, there's, there's a lot of types of games that I've talked about with people a lot. I'd say um, Sekiro is the one though, where I, I immediately just want to, find what other people had to say about it um as i was playing that game because uh, that was that was the first um that was, for one thing that was the first uh soulsborne type game that i reviewed so i was playing it before it was out uh, okay, yeah. and uh and that was an interesting experience because with every other game i was able to look at guides whereas that one i had to actually just talk to some people who were also reviewing it when i would get stuck at some points um and yeah I, i'd say that's probably the best the best example of that sort of thing uh, for me, especially because it's always trying to 
trick you just a little bit. There's some elements in all of those games where there's, you know, maybe a spot where someone jumps out at you or, or in Sekiro, there's that, uh, the flying guy coming off of that parachute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that, as soon as something like that happens, I want to reach out to someone who I know is playing it and talk to them about it. Was there any, was there anything that you, I mean, and, and totally feel free to be open with spoilers here. Was there anything that you discovered uh, first, you know, before any of your other, you know, fellow reviewers or friends? Oh man, I don't know. I, I played through that game pretty quickly up until near the end. Um, I don't remember if I, uh, like I was actually, I had to look up strategies for, for a ton of the fights trying to think, I, I guess, um, the fight that happens, uh, in the gun fort against that, I don't, I don't know what the, it's like the giraffe centipede, whatever. Oh, uh, sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That one, I think I figured, like, I had to figure out how to do that. Um, I don't know if there, if anyone had, had put up a video earlier or not, but figuring out how to do that and then realizing that I had just wasted my time because I was supposed to come back there later after I had gotten the key. Um, that, that, that was an experience that I was ready to tell people about. Um, and I had some, you know, friends on the site and, and elsewhere who got the game at launch who, uh, who were struggling on the same section, couldn't figure out what to do. Man, I should have asked you about that because I did that exact same thing. So actually that boss wasn't too bad. Um, no, once you, re- you figure out the timing, it's fine. Yes. And I also realized that the, um, so you can jump on enemies and that sometimes just, uh, uh, you'll have to remind me is it stamina damage i forget what it's uh, posture i think it's what called, posture right? thank you uh, i found that if you if you jump on him at the right time he does a lot of posture damage so he wasn't too bad but i did the same thing with the key i was just like i'm not i wasn't supposed to go here yet i'm gotta trudge all the way back well i guess it's not that bad you just teleport but still it felt like a felt like a bit of an anticlimactic result yeah, there was that, and then I think right after that, and this I didn't have any knowledge of in advance, is where you see that big snake again, uh, and you try to run across the bridge, and you think it's just there as a sort of a, a thing to scare you, and then the bridge collapses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, and, and I mean, and obviously the, uh, for me, the the ape, the, the ape resurrecting yes. was, man, that was, I think that was the first thing that I, I, had to tell someone about I, I my my younger brother is a really big souls fan as well and so he and i were spending a lot of time texting and that was i'm pretty sure the only thing i sent to him was dude something really fucking gross just happened and <laughs> it, it also made me really mad like it, i was so angry because the original fight took me forever and then he i felt like hell yeah i just i totally did it and then he gets back up and i was like god damn it yeah, that fight that fight took me I think about four hours from start to finish. I Oof. think I had to do it in a couple sittings. Yeah, that one was tough. Um, yeah, and I and I used up every every flask or whatever gourd seed or whatever they're called to uh, to get to the the end of that first phase, and then you you get hit with that. It's yeah, it's rough. Was there a, was there any other uh, secrets or examples from Sekiro or even from you know other Souls games? Um. I mean, I don't know how much of a secret it is. I, there were a couple of things that I discovered just in terms of, of researching to try to make the boss easier. But there's that drunkard uh, right before the uh, right the butterfly fight. Jizu, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that one, uh, you really have to cheese that fight to make it manageable. I, I like what I had to do was uh, like just kite all of the 
minions around him away and kill them. It took me like 15 minutes to kill all of them. And then just like gradually um, kite him around so that I could get in a hit every now and then, get him down to his second bar. And then you have to sprint back quickly, talk to that guy that's standing there and have him fight uh, with you to fi- to uh, finish him off. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> that's, I don't think how they intended it, but like when the game is, when the games punish you that much for doing any small thing, I don't care at all about cheesing. Dude, yeah, I you know it's funny that that fight. I saw a lot of people when I first started playing it saying like, "Oh, there's this one fight, and uh, that's the fight when you have to know how to play this game, or it will punish you." And I thought that that was the fight that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for most people, what they were actually referring to is the Genichiro fight. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that, yeah, that one. Yeah, a- and <laughs> yeah, that one was it was tough, but I I figured out a cheese for the first phase of that fight that made it. I mean, I didn't beat it. Uh, I, I probably spent a couple hours on him, but it didn't make it as infuriating as I saw it was for some people. But man, that that drunkard fight was a very early test of my patience for that game. But, it, you know, I managed to get through. It sounds like you managed to get through as well. And so you reviewed the game yeah. and you said it was the first one. Had you... And you hadn't reviewed other Dark Souls games in the past, but were you at all involved? Because... I remember when the first Dark Souls and well, and Demon Souls too. When those games first hit, you know there was a whole online community and message boards and wikis and stuff. Were you part of any of that? No. the th- The actual interesting thing is, despite like buying the collector's edition of this of, of Sekiro and all that stuff, is I did not like Dark Souls uh, when I first played it. I now part of that might have been the the environment I was in. I had a friend who was really really into those games, and he had me try out. Um, I think it was the I think it was the PC version of Dark Souls one, uh, just in his like dorm room, and I was like, the character creator is fun. I made a, a monster, uh, but then when I tried to actually play the game, I I felt that it was really sort of sluggish and slow, and mm-hmm. so I and I and I what the just the, the setting wasn't doing anything for me, so um, it wasn't until uh, Bloodborne came out. I had a PS4. Um, and I was looking for, you know, I, I guess I'm more likely to play exclusive games for a console to try to justify purchasing the, the machine. So, sure, right. And I thought it was getting great reviews, and uh, and I, I really liked the gothic uh, setting. So yeah, played that game. For the first two or so hours, I hated it. I hated it so much. I was, you know, getting ambushed by all these enemies. I couldn't get the timing of the combat down. I was having a hard time uh, managing stamina. And then after a few hours, I don't even remember the exact point, but something clicked I realized that basically if you play through these sections enough, it, it is like a dance. You, you're memorizing like every single move that you have to make to get from point A to point B. And uh, from then on, it was really, um, it was, it was really sort of a, a love hate, mostly love. With. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I, I played, um, I played Bloodborne. I did not get Dark Souls three when it came out. I don't remember why. I might have just been short on cash. I got it mm-hmm. a few months later. Um, played through that as well. Finished that. Uh, and yeah, and then Sekiro. And 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 since uh, like I played a bunch of the other sort of Souls like uh, type right. of games like um, Salt and Sanctuary. Um, I have mixed feelings on that one. Uh, Neo, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I actually really, really like the Surge, the first one. Um, oh yeah, no, it's uh, that's a decent game, absolutely. Yeah, and and, and like the second one seems to like it's going to be addressing a lot of the problems that people had with the the first. But yeah, like that that whole sort of flow of uh, you know 
fight your way through an area, make your way to a bonfire or whatever, or open up a shortcut to get back to an old bonfire. That's really uh, been my thing ever since. And now, I like I said, like I was all over like the Sekiro subreddit when the game was coming out to see people doing stuff. But no, back when uh, when the series um, like was first, like I didn't have PS3, so I couldn't play Demon Souls and, and Dark Souls One. Um, I uh, I didn't. It wasn't on my radar at all. I was playing Skyrim. I was playing portal and stuff like that i was, right, I was yeah. playing a lot of call of duty still at that point so uh yeah um yeah, but i i have gone back like i played the remastered one i didn't uh i did an article on that actually and uh yeah i was wrong <laughs> dark souls one still very good okay yeah i was gonna ask but it, how did how did it change yeah i guess i was just more prepared for the the pacing and the structure of the game and that banging your head against a wall was kind of the point um so when there were sections where I was really struggling against a boss, it didn't really feel like it was insurmountable. I mean, the great thing about all of those games, except for Sekiro, is that you know if you're really struggling against a boss, you can bring someone in to help, which I did mm-hmm. for bosses in, uh, in Dark Souls Remastered. But yeah, um, I, I, besides that, I don't know exactly what clicked. I I just uh, I guess I was ready for a different type of game. Um, I had been playing uh, a lot more flashy sort of action games back back then and and it's it was different obviously but uh that that feeling of really having to to fight tooth and nail to get you know through a boss or whatever it 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 feels good (laughs) it's very rewarding that was um when i first played demon souls as exactly that i think that was what attracted me to that series i was also a big monster hunter fan so there was Mm -hmm. some similarities there but yeah, that it's it's such a rewarding series, absolutely. Um, did, have you played Hollow Knight? I don't. I forget. Did you mention that as one of I, the ones? I didn't mention it. I have played it, not the whole thing. I don't know something about that game. I couldn't get into. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess it's just. Um, I don't know exactly. I, I guess like Metroidvanias. I like it when they are at least sort of clear with uh, providing you, you know, the map and the, and the information you need. Right. Uh, and, and with that one, it sort of deliberately sort of obscures some of that or whatever. And, and I, I totally understand why people like that game, but it just wasn't really for me, I guess. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's totally fair. And actually I've heard a lot of those same criticisms uh, elsewhere. And if I'm honest with myself, I, 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 I it's not perfect. And they're like, the map and some of the uh, direction uh, could be clear, especially considering that, like you said, it is, it's a Metroidvania and those games, while they are known for being backtracky and kind of obtuse, especially like, you know, even just super Metroid um, it, hollow Knight is especially so in some regards, but um, the reason I asked was because not just because it's kind of a souls like in some ways, but because that was a game that I had a lot of, you'd say water cooler or, playground uh, information share type experiences with. So I was curious if you had that there too. What, so how about like, <clears throat> I mean, outside of souls games, I, like for me back in, uh, in uh, grade school, it was all about Pokemon Zelda and final fantasy was like, we were all sharing stuff back and forth about those games. Is there anything else like that? Like whether it's from your childhood or even recently that you had that with? Yeah, I uh <laughs> some of them were me just being stupid, I guess, but the when Halo 3 came out, everyone was talking about that. I was uh let's see, like 13 when that game came out, and I remember um 
the big uh, sort of sad moment at the end where Master Chief supposedly dies. I must have hit A or something. I skipped the final cutscene where he's still alive. <laughs> so I was like, this is some gut-wrenching shit. And then I went to school the next day, and I'm talking to them at lunch. And they're like, no, like he's still alive. They show it afterwards. And I'm like, well, that's not nearly as cool. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was one. Um, I remember uh, Splinter Cell Double Agent. I was playing that with people, and I think I even had a guide for that game. But I was still struggling to get through some of that stuff. So, so I was talking over with one person, and we'd even, uh, you know, do do the Xbox Live chat to to tr- uh, sort of help our each other through the tough sections. Right. Those are probably the main ones. Um, yeah, Pokemon as well. I remember that's how I learned about like missing number and uh, yeah. how to get Rayquaza from uh, from that big tower in uh, Gen 3. So, yeah, um, those are probably the, the, the biggest ones. The only other game I can think of that I really talked about with someone like that much um, was Fire Emblem. I had a neighbor who uh, uh, he and I were playing through Fire Emblem Sacred Stones together, and he was way better at that game than me. And we, we <laughs> like, yeah, we, we played that game constantly. Uh, I remember his his mom had to go to like the department store or something, Target or something one day, and we like both had our Game Boy advances with us because we couldn't stop playing that. Oh, nice! That's awesome. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, I I think Pokemon is one for a lot of people. Actually, other other people, <clears throat> other guests have specifically mentioned like you know sharing secrets for like you said Gen three or or Red version or whatever they happen to have on the mm-hmm. playground is kind of a an important. Uh, gaming experience for for them uh and and which kind of leads me into maybe like kind of the big question i'm interested in in exploring here for for a bit is do you think that these sorts of experiences where you're discovering something and sharing them with someone um you know kind of organically without having heard about it on youtube or seen a headline about it or anything like that do you think that that is those kinds of communal aspects of these games are are part of the games themselves or or maybe slightly separate does that make sense like do you, like yeah um like hmm. basically i guess the question i guess i could frame the question a little bit better and say like do you think that without these experiences would these games be lesser without them yeah i mean i guess developers have to understand that they don't exist in a vacuum at this point when they're creating those sorts of things and yeah in the case of the soul series specifically i I definitely think it would be a a lot less fun if you didn't have people to talk to uh, after you beat something um or you know or couldn't watch someone else try to do that thing even like youtube and twitch have really uh i think enhanced the the genre um there's a there's a channel i like it's uh sane s-a-n-e and then tbd uh, on YouTube, and he or she, I actually don't know, edits together um, compilations, basically, of Twitch streamers reacting to, like, a certain moment in a game. Mm-hmm. So they had a whole video on just people watching the ape get back up after its head got chopped off. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. And stuff like that. And so, like, those sorts of reactions, and you watching a video like that, knowing what happens and seeing people do it for the first time, I think really does make it better. Um I, I guess I have an issue with um, it being taken deeper with that, with games that want to, like, make Twitch um, interactivity, like, a part of the experience. Uh, 
sometimes shoehorning it in. I mean, there's some examples where it really works well, like Jackbox and that sort of thing. But right, um, yeah. yeah, I think when it's left to, you know, just talking about the games and being able to see people do the same thing that you try to do, it really does make it more fun. Cool. And so do you think that, you know, it being an important aspect of the games itself, so has the series, has the Soul series gotten better, do you think, or worse at facilitating that sort of information sharing? Because for me, I feel like it's gotten a little bit worse. And I mean, part of that is, and, and I, this is, a lot of this stuff is tied up in, in a, maybe a larger discussion about how the games are designed and their accessibility. And, and, and I don't necessarily mean it in this way, but just, you know, you're adding, when you add item descriptions to items uh, in such a way that, uh, you know, it, it, it takes out some of the discoverability. Um, I'm of two minds about that. And I'm kind of curious, how do you feel about it? Yeah. So I guess the interesting thing with that is, with Miyazaki himself, I remember reading a big feature. I think Polygon did. I want to say it was Chris Plant who wrote it, but I could be wrong. This was several years ago, around the time that Bloodborne came out. Was that um, when he was a kid, he would pick up books that, and he was not um, capable of like reading proficiently at this time. And he would be able to read some of the lines in them, but not others. And so he liked to just fill in the gaps with information that he thought would you know would be you know interesting to go uh where he couldn't read and so he sort of designs the stories in his game the same way where he gives you little bits and pieces and lets you um kind of create your own uh reality and you're right like in those early games um when some of that stuff was kept very cryptic it's it's fun you know it's it's very unique to the medium that you as the player sort of get to make up the details um and creating an established uh canon or correct version of the story kind of doesn't work very well um sure at the same time i think like with sekiro you know that that's sort of thrown out the window it's it's a lot more direct storytelling and it still works well but um yeah that that really is what makes uh the soul series different from a lot of these sort of competing games it it creates i guess it it paints in in sort of very broad strokes but it expects you to fill in the finer details um and, uh, you know, for, that's not for everyone. I, and I totally get it if, if people want dialogue and, and they want like actual uh, sort of linear progress in terms of right. storytelling and knowing what happens. But, uh, you know, I guess that makes for water core moments in its own right. It's like the end of that one ending, um, that one ending in, uh, in Bloodborne, you get turned into like a little squid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. what the hell does that mean? And right. just talking to people afterwards and coming up with your own explanations for it is, is I think, the intention. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, like I said, I'm of two minds about it. I I like, I like the sharing of information. I, you know, like figuring things out communally in these games, whether that's mechanically storyline wise, or just exploration wise, you know, there's a lot of areas in the game that have hidden uh, shortcuts and whatnot. And those are always fun to discover. But I think there's a fine line between obfuscation and uh like malicious withholding of information um and i think that there is a certain i think there is a certain argument to be made that it some aspects of these games don't necessarily need to be so obtuse or gatekeepery um or or have or have the at least the potential to become gatekeepery which is yeah kind of an issue um uh, 
have have you encountered that much? I, I, this is a series that's really known for for its hardcore fans, and some of whom have very strong opinions about how you can and can't play them. Yeah, um, I guess not too much. The people that I've talked to have been, uh, you know, pretty cool about you know if you need to use um, you know a summon on a boss or something like that or or if you just need help sort of understanding the mechanics. But but I, I would encourage people who are playing it and find themselves really struggling, to especially if it's early on, to understand that, like, part of the reason why they throw these things at you, like, so hard from the very beginning is it sort of forces you to learn stuff, um, which then you'll find the game kind of get, gets a little bit easier after that. So mm-hmm. I think it, it can be a little bit gatekeepery, especially... Um, and mostly in the Souls games, I think Sekiro. It did. I, I guess this was actually Activision's insistence on on giving you more of a tutorial and, and for some of your moves and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, even that game could be um, needlessly obtuse. I know there's one there's one character in that game who like requests rice. Oh um, uh, yeah, and you get rice, but there's another item that's like a different type of rice, and they don't tell you like that's not the rice you need. You can go back there and. And so stuff like that seems to be done like almost purely just to, to fuck with you. But um, besides that, I don't know. I like, I, I, I understand the need obviously for, for accessibility options and all that stuff. And, and I think there's even a case to be said for adding like actual like difficulty settings in those games. But I don't think that they would have their appeal um, or their longevity necessarily if they didn't really make you work for every boss that you defeat right yeah yeah i i I agree with that um and like again there's there's a there's a lot of nuance and a lot of uh lines that you know to to be mindful of when discussing that but i I mean i absolutely think that there is a way for a souls game or a game within that genre uh, to do an easy mode that is thematically and mechanically in line with the i guess the 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 developer intent or the the ethos that the series kind of sets out of overcoming challenges and whatnot you know it's it's not that difficult if you just spend a little time and 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 uh and kind of consider the options but the thing is i would never i don't think i wouldn't really ever want to see a souls game or or a from game in this vein that was like that was giving me a cinematic experience where everything was kind of laid out and all, everything was very open. So, so in in that regard, I guess I am a little bit, uh, you know, hard headed and, and I don't necessarily want that to change. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, part of the thing, I, I think, especially in dark souls, um, like dark souls more than, than bloodborne or Sekiro is that the different environments you end up going to, especially in Dark Souls 3, uh, like, they're so unique mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you might accidentally just stumble into an area that's unlike anything you've seen before. So I think you've got a, a good point there. Um, in the case of just the difficulty itself, I guess it, it's definitely a line that <laughs> that they've crossed. Um, the, like, the last boss fight in Sekiro took me uh, about eight hours. Oh, um, yeah. The, the, the true last boss, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh-huh. that, that whole, but that entire fight, regardless of, of 
it's just it's a lot yeah and like the thing is like if you're talking about difficulty settings like they could still have an easy mode where it's like okay you have to have grasped and pretty well mastered these like handful of mechanics to beat this fight but the thing about that last fight is that not only do you have to know how to do all of that stuff but you have to be able to like stare at your screen for 15 minutes or so uh without breaking focus once uh you know I ended up beating – this always happens. I got um, – just – I was so frustrated. It was like 2 in the morning. I couldn't beat that fight. I said, screw it. I'm going to bed. Then woke up 7.30. was like, I need to beat it now or I'm not going to be able to think about anything else and beat it in like you know, 20, 30 minutes the next morning. Um, but the thing about that that fight is like if you lose – if you not offer whatever for even a second, mm-hmm. you know, the fight's over and uh, – I can definitely see someone who has mastered the mechanics of that fight and just doesn't want to put up with that sort of a tiny, tiny window of error. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's definitely a case to be made for that. Plus, I mean, in that game, it's it's especially difficult because you can't summon anyone. That, that definitely would have right. helped. Right, exactly. And, you know, uh, it's funny when you're talking about not breaking focus. And uh, I was trying to get a story pitched, uh, and I may still try to do it, so I, maybe I'll maybe I'll cut this out or just leave it for the for the the Patreon exclusive version of the episode. But I was trying to get a an article, uh, trying to write an article about how I felt Sekiro. You know, it's there's a lot of uh, Buddhist themes and Buddhist iconography and stuff in in there. But I was also I wanted to kind of take it a step further and be like, this is this game's about meditation. Like this game is about single point focus and and making you pay attention to one thing without breaking that focus and so uh yeah i totally agree though that the endurance the mental endurance that that last boss takes is a lot and uh i I wouldn't be i would never fault someone for saying no that's fine I'm, i'm i'm done and putting it away yeah, and that would have just sucked. My thing was like, so I I had to just write the review. Like I was on, I was stuck on the last boss, and I was talking to my editor. And it's like, listen, like I don't know if I'm capable of beating this, but I know it's the last boss. Like I even went on YouTube and just watched the cutscene afterwards, so I know what that's happened. Right, yeah, yeah, and and they said like like you know what you know that's fine. And I mentioned in the review like I'm stuck on the last boss. And then of course like right after the review was published is when I ended up beating it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was made worse, I guess, by the fact that I bought that collector's edition. And like right now it's in the same spot. I have that statue sitting right above where I work. And I'm oh. just thinking, if I never beat that game and I have that goddamn statue <laughs> sitting above, it's just going to be taunting me. Like I don't have a choice in the matter. Yeah, you 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 made a commitment. You had to follow through. Yeah. And you sure. did it. You did it. And that's the whole point of, of these games. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so, you know, I... The other question, I guess, uh, as we as we head towards kind of the the last the last part of the show, uh, the last big question is kind of: Do you think these aspects are this kind of like information sharing, this discovering uh, with with a community of people? Do you think they're going to get better or worse uh, as as things go on? I mean, obviously, we can't tell the future of how you know maybe social media will completely collapse and we'll never have online communication like that ever again, or you know, ubiquitous large uh, uh, you know reach 
for YouTubers or something like that. Um, but do you think, like, based on th- how things are now, do you think that those kinds of experiences have a, have a lifespan? It's tough to say for sure. I think that they probably got a little bit worse as Twitch gained popularity and people were streaming the games for everyone to see, like from the very beginning, because right. there wasn't that buffer time of like, you just have to try to figure it out and talk with other people and, and piece the bits together. Um, what I guess concerns me is as we get into services like Google Stadia specifically that has those share play features on where you might be able to skip or, or just jump into like the exact moment where someone is in a game, uh, that real, I think in the, something like this, um, uh, a very sort of unique to you single player experience that, that will sort of sully it. And uh, I, I would hate to see that happen. I'm also pretty confident that the people interested in games like dark souls are probably not going to be playing them on a service like that but yeah yeah. i'm sure there's going to be a small little subset of people who will and and i i think that's just not the way you want to play that game no i totally agree and that's actually a good point i hadn't thought of that like that there is i mean i have a bunch of reservations about some of the stuff that stadia is doing i don't think it's like i don't think it's all out terrible but obviously there's a lot of skepticism but i haven't i had never considered the that what you just brought up about you know being able to share gameplay and and kind of like gosh i don't want to sound like that meme but but uh, <laughs> i know what you're about to say. Of, <laughs> cheat yourself out of out of certain aspects of of that discoverability maybe not you know maybe if you have to beat a boss with the help of someone else no big deal but you know if you know where all the secrets are like is there much to explore like that's yeah, like at least try it yourself first i think it's sure a, yeah exactly a, i i totally yeah. agree um yeah and and, and the, then we have games like monster hunter world who uh you know there was a thriving wiki community for that series for years and years and years and then they started putting all that wikipedia information in the game and uh, itself, and and for better or for worse, uh, certainly I don't have to use uh, wikis or guides as much anymore. But at the same time, there was something kind of fun about contributing to that stuff. So you know, th- all that stuff kind of comes and goes. And I feel like Sekiro did that a little bit, where it's like, well, we're just going to put this information in the game, and hey, now you know how to play it. You don't have to go on your phone. And there's that's a positive, but also like that's part of the game, or it was part of the games for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. There's a YouTube channel I really like that he he barely ever posts anymore. It's um, was it? it's called B3Z now. It used to be called Gaming with Character, and he made a video um, on Dark Souls, comparing Dark Souls three to Dark Souls two, and uh, he was like, you know, feigning um, anger that they spelled out the stat names for you in Dark Souls three <laughs> compared to two. Um, but then in three, even like they had that one stat. I think it was was it poise. Yeah, um, that like no one knew what it did, and they just wouldn't tell you. And that's like that's that's fucking stupid. And like I, if you're if you're asking people to feed like their points into something and they don't know what it does, like I I I kind of <laughs> draw the line there. And I feel like maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like the messaging around it changed from the developer. Like they were saying it did one thing. And then it ended up not doing that at all. And it may have been even changed in a patch because they're like, oh, actually, the thing we said it did, it didn't do that. 
I mean, yeah. I could be completely wrong, but I feel like there is something along those lines. And there are some situations where I think uh, fibbing to the player is actually really cool. Uh, did you? Right. Um, I don't. I don't want to spoil this if someone was watching it, knowing the Dark Souls details, and they didn't know the details about this other game. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll keep it vague, I guess. But uh, Hellblade, if, have you, have you played that? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, yeah, I won't. I won't tell. But there's um, there's a really nice twist that people don't even realize, I think, until after they've finished the game. Oh, interesting. And, uh, yeah, and it's a twist that I, I reviewed that game, and I emailed the PR people for it, and they would not give me a straight answer either. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, like, it, they wanted to keep this thing that that locked down, and it was, like, infuriating when trying to write a thing, you know, a piece with factual information in it. But at the same time, um, a brilliant use of sort of flipping gaming conventions on their heads uh and something that i i hope more games are willing to to do at least in some capacity okay well that you know that i i would i've always thought it looked neat and was very curious about it heard a lot of interesting things about it but that's the first thing where i've been like okay i guess there's something here i need to see for myself so definitely piqued my interest there all right let's uh let's kind of move into transition kind of wrapping up here i feel like we we definitely covered a lot of really good ground. Um, I'm curious though, like what is, uh, what's on your, your next to playlist? Anything in this sort of like, you know, obtuse secret, uh, you know, mechanic heavy games or what are you, what are you looking forward to? Oh man. I I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they announced at E3. Um, well the surge two comes out in September. Right. Um, and so that's like the, the closest, I guess, souls like sort of game. I played the, um, the demo or the alpha or whatever for Neo two. And uh, for some reason I couldn't get into it. I don't know. Um, I really liked the first game. Yeah. I I think I, I, I also played the, the alpha for it. And I think a lot of people were just like, this is just, a bunch of stuff from the first game. Now it's granted it's the alpha, but uh, it just didn't feel different to me at all in kind of a bad way. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, those are, I guess, sort of the big ones that are, that are like that. I'm excited for, uh, for fire Emblem in a few weeks. Um, Wolfenstein, uh, I think comes out the same day actually. And then I guess in, in sort of the action RPG sort of vein, uh, astral chain in, in yeah. Very yeah, a bunch of people. I've, I've talked to a few people who, who definitely stoked on that. I'm I'm eager to check it out as well. Yeah. Quite the pedigree on on the development team there. Yeah, yeah, and that's the main. Like when I saw the names that were on it, I was like, you know what? Like Japanese police officers fighting uh, <laughs> with Chimera does not actually sound like my cup of tea. But when you have the guy who did the combat from uh, Near is leading right. development on it, like okay, fine, you can take my money. Definitely. Uh, so. You know, while you're playing these games, discovering these secrets, uh, where can people find your thoughts on them? Yeah, so uh, my Twitter account, as long as it's not under embargo when I'm talking like uh, talking <laughs> right. about the stuff uh, at Gaming Angel Gabe, you can find my thoughts there. Um, in terms of just general gaming writing, uh, most of that is on digital trends. I also do uh, VR stuff, so you can find that on Upload VR and VR Fitness Insider. Uh, actually, we just got a quest a couple hours ago, um, so I'm going to be messing around with that as well. Oh, nice. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the main ones. Uh, every once in a while, I'll pop on something else, but yeah. Awesome. Well, Gabe, this was 
a great conversation. I'm really glad we got to uh, meet up and chat. Uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks again to Gabe Gerwin for coming on the show this week. If you'd like to hear the full interview with me and Gabe, head over to patreon.com slash PNB. And if you'd be so kind as to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, that would mean a lot and really help the show out. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Taking us out this week is the final boss theme from Dark Souls 3. I feel like it's an appropriate uh, end to today's discussion. Uh, We will see you guys back here in just a few weeks. Bye for now.